Father, you are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. Move up and down every aisle, in and out every road. Touch, heal, deliver. Set free, make whole. If there's anything wrong in our lives, we declare that today it's made right. And we thank you for the might of your word. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Well, praise God. You may be seated. Let's go ahead and dive in and dig into what God has to say on today. How many of you guys are excited about the word? I know I am. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 8. Uh, we're going to start at verse 13. Um, if, man, if you didn't get Wednesday night's message, if you weren't here, make sure you get a copy of that. Uh, we're, some of the stuff we're going to cover today, but we began to talk about, uh, we're still talking about we are the righteousness of God, but we're, we begin to talk about the origin and the purpose of good works. Uh, now, we're making it clear, we've made it clear that in order to be righteous, good works are not required. I said in order to be righteous, good works are not required. I know some of you is like, prove it to me. We will in a minute. We will in a minute. But good works are indeed a part of the life of a believer. But what we've had is we've had a sequence issue. We've put good works at the front of the process and it's really at the end. And I'm going to show you and prove to you the role and the origin of good works in the life of a believer. And I pray that by the end of this conversation, you indeed uh, will have full understanding and be able to properly live out uh, your life as a believer. But before we get into that, let me show you a few things. Uh, Romans 8.13, and we're going to go up to verse 19. And let's look at this. Uh, we're looking at it in the King James first, uh, and then we'll uh, look at part of it in the Amplified as well. It says, for if you live after the flesh, you shall what? You shall die. But if, through, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Verse 14. Okay, there we go. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are what? So if I am led by the Spirit of God, then that is identified as one of the, for lack of a better word, qualifiers to be the sons of God. And, and, and for the sake of equality, you understand that there is no Jew, no Greek, no male, no female. So just because we're using the word sons, that does not disqualify females. So anytime I just don't say daughters, uh, ladies, please, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't charge that to anything other than the fact that I'm just going to read what it says. But that is sure enough talking about you too. Amen. Amen. All right. So for as many as, as led by the spirit of God, they are the sons or the daughters of God. Verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Amen. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Say, I am a child of God. Verse 17, and if children, then what? Now let's slow down right here. So you just said you was a child of God, right? So if you're saying I am a child of God, then I am a heir of who? Read, read the scripture right there. <laughs> now, yeah, you're an heir of Christ because that's the next part, but I, we often skip over this first part because it makes us nervous because you, you identify in yourself and people don't want to say what it really is. But we, because it's easier for us to identify, I'm an heir of Christ, I'm an heir of Jesus who was a man who was here on earth. And, and so that, that brings, I'm trying to bring this power that you're trying to make me think I got down. Before it says you're an heir of Christ, it says you're an heir of somebody else. I'm an heir of God. I'm an heir of God. And joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also, uh, we, that we may be also glorified together. Verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed, does that say to us? Yeah, in us. Interesting. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature 
waiteth for the manifestation of who? Who's the sons of God? Who's waiting for us? All creation. All creation is waiting for us to show up. See, we've been having these four walls a little too long. And all of creation is sitting, waiting for God's children. They're lost, they're dying, they're hurting, uh, they're, they're, they're confused, they're struggling. And they're like, I, I know God is real, but, but I, I can't reach him yet. He, in my mind and in my heart, he's just too far away. I think I'm too, too messed up. I think I'm too unworthy. So I need something a little bit closer to me. I wish I could see where his children are. I wish his children would show up where I am. Because I want him, but I can't reach him yet. And we're supposed to be the bridge between them and him. Because that indeed is what Jesus is and was for us. But Jesus said, I'm leaving you my peace. And I'm leaving you the Holy Ghost. Because you're going to be responsible for what I used to do. I am now going to qualify you and then work through you to continue the work on behalf of my father. So you have a responsibility, you have a role, you have a job. But... In order to do that job, in order to do that responsibility, in order to fulfill that role of that vision that God has for us, we have to first know who we are. Amen. We are indeed his sons. Yes. And the enemy's working overtime trying to convince you that you are not worthy or righteous to be his sons. And that's why Jesus said in John 14, 27, my peace I give to you. My peace I'm leaving with you. You need to be assured that you're right with God. Fearing no punishment from him. Because if you walk in fear of punishment from God, then what you're saying is, God, I don't believe I'm your child. I don't believe I'm your righteousness. I don't believe that I'm forgiven of sin. So to stay in that state of not being assured causes you to then step back from your role and identity and therefore step back from your responsibility. And so the world just continues to wait. And then we continue to come to church and gather, trying to be saved when we're already saved, trying to be healed when you're already healed, trying to be holy when he's already made you holy. And we do that generation after generation after generation. And I'm telling you, we're hitting a time where it's time for the manifestation of the sons of God. When is Jesus going to return? When we show up and he can find himself. I'll say that again. When he can show up and find himself, meaning we have done what we were supposed to do and the world now has an opportunity to truly know the Father. Guys, I, I got to tell you, it's not going to happen without us. I said it's not going to happen without us. Why? Because he's in you. It's not going to happen without him, but he's in you. And so we got to make a choice today that we're going to take the bush off the light and go out into this world. Amen. Let's look at this in the NLT. Let me break it down for you a little bit more. Go back to, let's go back to the beginning. We'll read this up to that. Uh, how many of you guys know it's important that we rightly divide the word and just kind of walk through it? We don't have to be in a rush. Yeah. Amen. So uh, go back to verse 13 and we'll read up because it breaks it down even more. It says, for if you live by the dictates, uh, for if you live by its dictates, talking about the flesh, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you put the death, uh, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Now it's interesting. I like the way this breaks us down even more. It says through the power of who? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's how you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. What does that mean? You're not responsible for trying to kill sin in your life, the Holy Spirit is. You've been trying to fix your sin problem all this time and you can't do it. You need him to do it. Well, wait, that means I don't have no responsibility in it. Yes, you do. You need to believe. You need to yield. 
but then you need to obey what he tells you to do and sin will not be an issue in your life. Now, as far as your salvation, Jesus took care of your sin problem. But that sinful nature, that, that, that um, better, a better way to put it, that, that want to steal sin, that's for you now to turn over to the Holy Ghost and say, Holy Spirit, help me. But that requires a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's keep going. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are indeed children of God. Verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Fearful slaves? To what? To the nature of sin. You don't have to be afraid of sin. Why would I be afraid of sin? Because people think if I make a mistake, that's keeping me away from being the righteousness of God. And he's saying, you don't have to fear that anymore. You have a savior. His name is Jesus. You're right with God, period. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you. Did you know you had a root transfer? You used to be a sinner. Now you are the righteous. You now have God's spirit living on the inside of you, so you can't be a sinner with God's spirit on the inside of you. You have to understand what you do doesn't necessarily make who you are. Wait, Archie, I just cut somebody out yesterday. Yeah, because you need to renew your mind. You still have that residue, for lack of a better word, because you have to change the way you think. Think about this very practically. When somebody gets saved, does all the appetites of the old man just disappear? You may hear some stories about people losing a taste for cigarettes or whatever like that, or whatever like that, but in general, there are still some changes that have to take place here in order for that behavior to change. Thank God bad behavior does not send me to hell according to the word of God. It's a lack of belief in the finished works of Jesus that'll send me to hell. But if my good behavior can't earn me salvation, my bad behavior does not lose me salvation. A lot of people have a hard time with that because they say, are you saying that I can just go and bust hell wide open and, and do whatever? That ain't what I said. I recommend you don't do that. Will you end up in heaven busting hell wide open if you're saved? Yes, but you'll get there a whole lot sooner than what God intended. You step out and start living life in sin, sleeping around with whoever you want to sleep around with and doing whatever, da, da, da. Don't come running talking about, I got this dis-ease in my body uh, and now I need God to heal me. Not that he can't have mercy, not that those things won't be there, but if you continue to operate in sin, there is a worldly consequence for that sin. But your spirit, man, is indeed sealed once God moves in. And there are tons of people who are living lives uh, that are in sin while they're saved. And Holy Spirit's speaking to them, and God's trying to get them to change the way they're behaving and this, that, and the other. But they're ignoring that. And as a result, they're not walking in the fullness of who God has for them to be. But that doesn't make them unsaved. That doesn't mean they're not a child of God. That doesn't mean they don't love God. There's a bunch of folk out there buzzing hell wide open who love God, who talk to him more than you do but they don't listen when he talks back. And so as a result, their lives are not, for lack of a better word, lived for him. See, we, we don't want to teach this this way because we want to try to control people to make them think you have to live perfect in order to say you're a child of God. That ain't what that necessarily says. You're a child of God because of what Jesus did, not because of what you do. Now, if you've made him Lord of your life and you want to live a life that pleases him, good behavior comes out of that. But it doesn't come before that. I said this on Wednesdays. There's, there's a ton of uh, famous people, actors, musicians, and this, that, and the other who are indeed saved. But they're, they're sinning. For, for whatever reasons, bad teaching, no teaching, uh, misunderstanding, whatever. But you're going to get to heaven and see a lot of them. And then you're going to get to heaven and look around for sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so who served on every board and served on everything and who had all these wonderful works but literally did not really believe in God. And you're going to be like, how did Prince get here? 
how's Michael up here? <laughs> and, and Sister Hattie ain't here. Because you got your attention on the wrong thing. Do you believe you're the righteousness of God by what Jesus did? Then you're saved. Some of y'all still don't believe me, but I'm showing it to you in a minute. All right, let's keep going. Number six, uh, verse 16. For the spirit joins with our spirit to what? Affirm that we are God's children. Interesting. They used to teach me in Sunday school and in, and in youth ministry and all that back in the day that the Holy Spirit was there to tell me I'm a sinner. Anybody else heard that before? It says that the Spirit is with me to affirm that I'm a child of love. I'm a child of God. He tells me about sin, but he tells me that sin is an unbelief problem. He tells me about sin, but he tells me that I don't have to fear punishment of sin because of what Jesus did. And oddly enough, the more I listen to him telling me sin is not your problem, you're the righteousness of God, and the devil is the one that is punished, the more I am free from sin. I feel like I need to show you that. So for those of you guys who were with us last year, just bear with us on this. Go to John uh, 16. I think we'll start at verse 7, and let's stay in the NLT, because it's important for those of us who are with us for the first time. We did a, all last year we talked about the role of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And, and again, we've been taught for years that he is the one who convicts me of my sin, who tells me how bad I am so I can do right. And, and this scripture has been misused and wrongfully interpreted, and, and, and it's caused problems in us as believers. Jesus is talking here, he said, but in fact, it is best for you that I, what? Go away. Now, we talked about that in depth so people would understand that it is indeed the Holy Spirit's watch now. He's the one on duty and on assignment out of the Trinity. So if we keep trying to look for Jesus to do what he's already done, Jesus is like, you're talking to the wrong person. That's the Holy Ghost now. I'm not saying Jesus is dead. I'm not saying Jesus ain't up in heaven as your advocate. I'm talking about your help on earth is the Holy Ghost. Okay? It is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. He said, I can't tag team out and let the Holy Spirit come because you got an assignment. You have the responsibility and I can't be your power. He's your power. He said, if I do go away, then I'll send him to you. Verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. So his job is to tell the world, not you over and over again, because you're not the world anymore. You're the righteous. He's come to convict the world that you have an unbelief problem. You don't, all root of sin is unbelief. I don't trust God. I don't believe God. So I act out in ways against God's word. But once I'm saved, I don't have a sin problem. As a matter of fact, doesn't the Bible say that he remembers my sins no more? So how's he remembering my sins no more but then telling me about my sins every day? Which is it? He convicts the world of its sin so the world can turn to the Savior and say, I need a Savior to deal with this sin. But once I've turned to the Savior to deal with the sin, he's not sitting up there saying over and over again, you got a sin problem, you got a sin problem. No, Jesus took care of your sin problem. So convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness to tell you and I you're the righteousness of God. He's constantly in you, reminding you. Oh, I'm, no, I'm this horrible sinner. I'm no good. Nope, you're the righteousness of God. Oh, no, but, but you understand what I did. You're still the righteousness of God. Stay on task, stay on assignment. He still loves you. He's not mad at you. That's the Holy Spirit on the inside telling you that. But the enemy wants to keep rising up. No, you're no good. You're nothing. You know what you did last week. You know what you did 10 years ago. You know what they did to you. And what, that's, that's the devil. See, it was hard for me to realize that I had been listening to the devil with my saved self for so long. Hearing his lies of who I wasn't. But when it was revealed to me the actual responsibility of the Holy Ghost, I said, my God, I've been muting him and listening to the lies of the enemy. And a lot of that came through bad preaching from pulpits. You're good with God. And the third thing he came to talk to us about and remind us of is of the coming judgment. Now switch to the Amplified real quick, guys. Stay on this, and we're going to read this and the rest in the Amplified because I really want you to see this. 
this helping y'all? Amen. Amen. Let's keep going. So it says, and when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict and convince. Interesting. He's trying to convince us. The world and bring demonstration to it about sin and about righteousness, uprightness of heart, and guess what? Right standing with God and about judgment. But then it puts a little semicolon there because he said, now I'm going to break down what I just said. So let's see, because he begins to break down each one of these. About sin, in case you didn't believe what I just said, because they do not believe in me. It didn't say because they do not act right. It didn't say because they don't live perfect. He said because you don't believe. The sin issue is a belief issue, not an action issue. Unbelief is the root of all sin. A sin action is just a reaction to not trusting God. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, if you got a sin, if you're sinning, it's because you don't trust God. So get to know the Savior and start trusting God, and your sin issue will be taken care of. He said, trust in, rely on, and adhere to me. Then he says about righteousness, uprightness of heart, and right standing with God, because I'm going to the Father, and you'll see me no longer. So you're the righteousness of God. You're right with God. Now, this is the one that I really want us to key in on for what we're talking about today. About judgment. This condemnation, this shame, this fear that the enemy's trying to put on you, that you're just no good and, and you're going to end up in hell because you've done A, B, and C and this, that, and other. He said, the Holy Spirit is here concerning judgment because who? Read this with me. The ruler, evil genius prince of this world, in case you don't believe, Satan, your name ain't in that bracket. Satan is judged and condemned and sentenced already is passed upon him. Well, what about me? Sentence was already passed upon you, but Jesus took your sentence. And he went to hell. He took your punishment. Your punishment went on him. So the Holy Spirit is here reminding you and convincing you you're not going to be punished because for you to be punished would, to, would be to make the sacrifice and the punishment of Jesus of nothing. For God to punish Jesus and you would not only make him a liar, but would make him a father who doesn't really love his son. It means he wasted the sacrifice of Jesus. For you to have punishment would waste the entire sacrifice of Jesus. So stop thinking that God is trying to punish you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That is simply you stepping out of trusting God's word and love for you, and you're stepping over into a place of unbelief, and as a result, you're then hit by all the stuff that the world throws at you. Get back into belief. Get back into who you know you are in Christ, and let the enemy, the enemy's trying to get you to engage in his punishment. God's not doing it to you. That's, that's reserved for Satan. But he's trying to draw you over to say, hey, this yours too. And God's like, that ain't yours. What are you doing over there? Get back into your position that you don't deserve, but that you have. Oh, you, uh, uh, go to, uh, oh, shoot, Romans 5, 1 in the New Living Translation. And we're going to read uh, 1 and 2. Because some of you are like, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I don't know what that position is. It's, it's called a place of undeserved privilege. Romans 5, 1, uh, yeah. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by acting right. No, by faith. We have peace, and we've studied that word out, which means assurance of my salvation, assurance of my righteousness in my mind. Not just harmony. But I have an understanding and a peace in my mind that I'm right with God and so fearing no punishment from him. Be, go back, go back, go back. Peace with God, why? Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. There's the work. He did the work for you. He did the work so you didn't have to do the work. He took the punishment so you didn't have to take the punishment. So you're right with God because of what Jesus did, verse 2. Because of our faith, not our works, because our works have a place, but it's not here. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us 
into this place of undeserved privilege, not where you're going to stand once you go to heaven. It's a place you now stand. Look at the presence and the tense of that word. I now stand in a place I don't deserve. Well, what does that mean? I now stand in a place I did not earn. If I work for you and give you 40, 60, 80 hours a week, I deserve my check. I have earned it based on the merit of my work. What this is saying is, is you can't earn what you got. Why? Because Jesus earned it for you. As Danielle said earlier, he took the test of the law, passed it with flying colors, and gave you his A. That's the curve we're on. We're on the Jesus curve that says you don't deserve this, eh? You just definitely didn't, can't earn it, but you got it. And it's up to you, also known as faith. It's up to you, also known as belief, of whether or not you're going to accept it. Because your spot is secured. Your mama's spot is secured. Your uncle's spot is secured. Your neighbor up the street is secure. Your auntie who may be strung out on drugs, it's secure. All of their places are secure. It just requires them to have faith and show up and say, that's my spot that Jesus made. And Jesus is standing there saying, I'm waiting to bring you into this place that I've already made available. Our responsibility is to go to all of them and say, you have a secure spot because of what Jesus did. Not because of what you're doing. See, I know we got a problem with people who smell funny. I know we got a problem with people who strung out on drugs. I, got, I know we got a problem, who have, uh, people, a problem with people who have a sexual identity problem, but God ain't got no problem with them. He loves them like he loves you in the state that they're currently in. It says, while we were yet sinners, he sent his son. And we, gotta, we can't start turning up our nose at people when we're in a place of undeserved privilege. You don't deserve where you at. You think because you did all the stuff you've done over all these years that you now have earned that place. You ain't earned nothing but the right to understand that is undeserved where you stand. Lord, why is it coming out this way? I don't know, but... but God, don't get that, that, that's what's causing us not to step out and go out. Because now we're thinking they got to do what you were taught to do. You were taught wrong. I was taught wrong. It didn't take all that, y'all. Like people used to say, I don't know, I don't know if it take all that. It didn't. <laughs> I'm telling you today it didn't. All that doggone stuff we did and went through and uh, you got to do this and do that. We just created a new Catholic church system. We just created a new works-based system. We just created a new law for the word of faith, charismatic community. And, and, it, and it doesn't. It takes belief in him. Ain't that what it said? Because of our faith, confidence in God. Christ has brought us. You didn't walk into it. You can't walk into it. He has to bring you into it by your faith. In this place of undeserved privilege, and now you stand there. Show me where it says you got kicked out. It's where you stand. It's where you stand. Do you have faith in where you stand? Do you have faith that there's no trap door <laughs> in your position of undeserved privilege? That's what some of y'all see. The moment you're saying, oh, <laughs> and now I gotta, I gotta climb back up. To the, to the place of undeserved privilege. That doesn't even make common sense. This sin trap door opens up and I fall and then I have to climb away from the devil and, and get to this place. Nope, that's all in your mind because that's where he's trying to operate at in your mind. And that's why the peace of Jesus, it's no coincidence that it's an assurance in your mind. If you understand all that, say amen. amen. So, who makes me righteous? Jesus. What's my part? To believe or to have faith. Where do I stand? In a place I don't deserve. That's the answer. As the righteousness of God. Now let's go back and let's look at this a little closer. 
So who makes me right? Where do I stand? In a place that I don't deserve. And you are the who? Yeah, the righteousness of God. Amen. All right, so let's go to back to Romans 3. Romans 3, and then let's look at, um, oh, no, we were in Romans 8. Go back to Romans 8, and let's look at verse 13, and we're going to go up to verse 19 uh, in the Amplified. So, again, I just wanted you to see what the role of the Holy Spirit is in that he's not trying to convict you to make you feel bad because you got a sin problem. No, he's doing the exact opposite. He's convincing you that your sin problem is no longer and that the devil is taking the punishment. You with me? Okay, so four. If you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you should surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you habitually, uh, you are habitually putting to death, making extinct, deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body, you shall really and genuinely live forever. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the what? Sons, Sons of God. Verse 15, so if I'm led by the Spirit of God, now you see how the Spirit's going to be leading you. You're good, you're righteous, you're not punished. You're good, you're righteous, you're not punished. You're good, you're righteous, you're not punished. People who let that lead them will walk in their sonship. Kind of makes sense now. Why? Because I'm confident in who I am. People who don't let that lead them will not walk in their sonship. Why? Because I don't think I qualify. It's not that my sonship is not there. I don't believe it. Because I still believe I got a sin problem. Because I still believe God is punishing me. Because I still believe God is mad at me. So what do I do? I dare not go to him and, and ask him anything. I dare not go to him and stand in my rightful position because I feel so unworthy. So that's what that's talking about. For as many as led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Why? Because you believe God. For the Spirit which you have now received, it's not something you're receiving. If you're saved, you received him is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. Now you know what that means. Fear of what? Of God's punishment, of God's wrath, that you're no good. He's not a spirit to make you afraid of God. I said the Holy Spirit is not a spirit that's going to make you afraid of God. But it's healthy to have a little, be a little scared of him. That, that ain't, stop saying that. That is not in the word of God. It's great to honor God. It's great to respect God, but God don't need you to be scared of him. But you have received the spirit of adoption. I think about these uh, videos I've been seeing about uh, kids who have grown up and they've grown up with a, um, not their biological parent, and then uh, in a lot of cases it came around Father's Day and all these people who were young adults or adults were bringing adoption papers to the father. And there was these really emotional videos out there where it was like, you've been my dad this whole time. You've loved me, and I consider you my real father, so I want you to adopt me. Nowhere in there was there punishment. Nowhere in there was fear. It was like, you, 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 you're the one that took me in when there was no other. You adopted me. You brought me in. You've loved me. You've protected me. You've surrounded me. You've given me favor. You've had mercy with me. And I didn't deserve none of that, but you did it. I, I told you you wasn't even my daddy, and you still love me. And you still, so, so I want to take your name now because you took me. And that's what, that's what I said. You, you're adopted now. You're part of the family now. The spirit of adoption is the spirit producing sonship. And sonship is indeed your anointing. But the spirit of adoption, now that you've been adopted to the family, you're sons. Not by your works, not by your actions, but it's just, do I trust what God said? He said, I'm a son. Do I believe it? Yes, then I'm a son. And then the Holy Spirit is there combating all the lies of the enemy that tries to tell you you're not. In the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father, verse 16, the Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit. What's that next word? Assuring us, back to the mind. We ain't even dealt with your hands, your mouth, and nothing yet. Why? Why? Because that ain't important yet. You need to know who you are 
before you try to turn around and do anything. Because I'm getting ahead of myself because he's the one that helps you do the good. But you're being assured by the Holy Ghost of what? That you're children of God. And if we are his children, because they say, why is that important? Because if we are his children, then we realize we're heirs. Heirs of who? God Almighty. God Almighty. And fellow heirs. Now, Jesus was off the chain when he was walking this earth. But he's not walking this earth in the natural any longer. You are. I'm going to just let that sink in for a minute. You are. And you are fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance, his A, his power, his anointing, his ability. You ain't trying to get it. You ain't working on it. You currently stand in a place that you share that with him. I need you to stop trying to be powerful and just be powerful. Yeah. Are you just ready to be who you are? Yeah. And it says only we must share in his suffering if we are to share in his glory. And that's not saying you got to get on the cross again. He got on the cross and that's done. But indeed, in serving, people are going to try to persecute you. People are going to try to do this, that, and the other. But that's okay because he said, I've already, I've already overcome this world. So you have trials and tribulations. I think it says many trials and tribulations. He said, but be a good cheer because I've overcome the world. Don't worry about the suffering. He just said, don't be surprised when the attacks come. But you got victory. But what of that? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present life, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us. And, I, and again, you got to be careful with these translations because you know that other one said, in us and for us and conferred on us. Verse 19, for even the whole creation, all nature, ooh, glory to God, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known. I just saw something in that, because I've been thinking people. That's, all, that's part of creation, right? He said that earthquake that just happened is waiting for you. These hurricanes and tornadoes that are happening, nature is waiting for us. This chaos in our world is waiting for us. Ain't nobody got to die. Ain't nobody got to lose property. Ain't nobody got When will the sons and daughters stand up and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus? You turn and go back that way. You will not touch this neighborhood. You will not touch that neighborhood. You will not touch that soul. You will not touch that life. Why? Because I have authority as a child of God, and this is this chaos, this death, this destruction is not the will of God. All of creation is waiting and expecting earnestly for God's sons to be made known waits for the revealing, the coming out, the disclosing of their sonship. I said, it's time for us to come out, y'all. I'm coming out. It's time. Well, man, I wish somebody prayed for that. I hope Jesse Duplantis pray for, pray for that hurricane coming to, to Louisiana. I hope, I hope Creflo pray for that, 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 that uh, uh, a tornado trying to come through Georgia. You the Jesse, you the Creflo, what you gonna do? You had the same anointing they got. That's why they doing all this word preaching that they're doing, trying to help us see who we are. You ain't gotta be Kenneth in, in Fort Worth and this, that, and the other. They don't spend all these years pouring out all this word so we can realize who we are and join them in the fight. But we got to believe that we're the righteousness of God. Amen? All right, that's point one. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> so, our works. When we start believing who we are, 
we can start doing the good works we're talking about now. But our good works are not a prerequisite for us to be the righteousness of God. It's only belief. Jesus makes us right. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 7. Ephesians 1, 7, and we'll uh, look at this in the NLT. Y'all got that back there? Ephesians 1, 7. Do I need to turn it? Okay. Yeah, uh, and I go to New Living Translation. It says, in him, yeah, he is so rich in kindness and what? Grace that he did what? So who bought your freedom? Jesus. Yeah. Bought our freedom with the blood, what God did, uh, with the blood of his son, who is Jesus. Yes. And here's why I get things like when people say, how you know we ain't got a sin problem? Because he forgave your sins. Now, I need to know how many of you guys were alive when Jesus went on the cross. Because that's what people want to tell you. Well, you wasn't there, so that didn't count for you. No, 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 his blood was so powerful, it covered my sins past, present, and future. I wasn't even alive, but his blood doesn't only go for a year like the blood of bull and goats did back in the day when they would show up with the sin offerings and the blood only lasted a year. We're talking about the blood of God Almighty who came into a form of Jesus, and his blood goes for all of eternity. Amen. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. Say he purchased my freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. For him to remember your sins and then to punish you as the result of them wouldn't be for him to negate this purchase that Jesus made. It would be to waste the currency of his blood. How many of you guys know that's, what not, that's not what God's into? Amen. Let's uh, look at this a little deeper. Go to a Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Colossians 1.12. Always thanking the Father, he has enabled you to share in the what? Inheritance that belongs to who? His people who live in the light. Verse 13. For he has rescued us from what? The kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Show me where, oh, oh, who purchased our freedom, here it is again, and did what? Forgave our sins. How many of you guys know that God's not transferring you back? <laughs> you know what, this one's a, a too much trouble. Throw them back. Take them right back to the kingdom of darkness, because I, I don't, you know, you know, the God's not, it's not like you were some dog that God adopted and you tore up the furniture, so he's sending you back to pet coat. No, 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 you're his son and daughter. You have a permanent place. He can replace the couch. It's okay. He's very happy with his purchase. I say God is extremely pleased with his purchase. Amen. Somebody say, well, Archie, I hear what you're saying, but are you saying we can just bust hell wide open and, 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 and just sin? I talked to you about that earlier. There is indeed consequences to sin that can affect your physical body. There are. There are consequences. And I'm not saying God can't still heal you or whatever like that, but I recommend you don't just habitually engage in sin. Instead, go to the Holy Spirit and say, like it says in Romans 12, uh, 2, let God transform your thinking and the sin stuff will start decreasing. And we're going to do a whole series on just sin and how to deal with sinning. But I need you first to understand you're not a sinner, meaning by title, I am not a sinner. No, you're saved by grace. But we do need to take some time and learn, okay, cool, I'm, a, I'm saved, but I still keep sinning. And I need to know what's going on. Don't raise your hand, but just look straight ahead. <laughs> and I need to know what's going on. I'll tell you quickly what's going on is you haven't renewed your mind. As soon as you get in that word on those issues and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to be Lord of your life, as soon as you let him be Lord of your life, then the fruit of the Spirit will be the fruit on your life, which is love. And then all those other things, joy, peace, self-control, all these things will now be fruit that comes off your life because you're listening and following the Holy Spirit and not trying to use your willpower to be better. If you understand that, say amen. amen. 
But for those of you who are sitting out here right now, I'm going I'm to give you this to, to hold you over for that. Because you might say, I heard you saying, but man, I'm still dealing with sin. And, and, and I, just, I just feel like I'm, 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 I'm disappointing God and I'm going to get in trouble for it. Okay, this is for you. Go to 1 John chapter 2 and we'll start at verse 1. 1 John 2, 1. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you what? So that you will not sin. So we're not promoting sin, sin, sin. But what's that next word say? But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. That's, that's, that's just like God. He says, listen, don't sin. I think that's what the King James says, do not sin. But if you do, remember your sacrifice. Remember your sacrifice. And as long as the sacrifice is worthy, the protection is still on duty. As long as the blood's okay, you're still good to go. So for the only way for your sin to be now counted against you is for the blood to be tainted. And how many of you guys know the blood of Jesus ain't gonna ever be tainted? So as long as the sacrifice is good, you're good. Oh, I think you just said I can go, that ain't, again, that ain't what I'm saying. But you know the same thing happened in the Old Testament with the law. He said, now do this law and do it perfectly. But when you sin, bring a sacrifice every year. Why? Because he knew people still weren't going to be able to do it because they were living in these fleshy bodies. Yet we ignore this scripture and we ignore what happened in the Old Testament and then teach people now you have to be perfect. That is, that didn't, that's not what the word says, y'all. And we have all this attention on trying to be perfect and no attention on going out and sharing him with the world. Our work is not for us to be trying to make ourselves perfect. That's his job. Our work is supposed to be out going out there and sharing with this world about him. You're too tired by the time you get out to the world because you've been working on you. <laughs> trying to make yourself right. You, you don't spend all your study time on trying to make you better. You don't spend all your time with the Holy Spirit, not on hearing and getting a word for them, but trying to build yourself up. No, come on, I pray in the Holy Ghost. Have to spend that time with God. Let him renew your mind. And then you got a job to do. You got a call on your life. You have a purpose. I ain't the only one with a call. Everybody in here got a call. I don't know what my call is. Well, your call is at least Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's everybody's call. I said, that's everybody's call. I don't need your name to be on the outreach roster with Osado and them. You on Jesus' outreach roster anyway. You're part of the outreach team whether you know it or not. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and as we know we're his righteous, as we stand on that, then we can get busy doing the job that he actually wants us to do. Instead of just trying to convince ourselves over and over again that I'm good, I'm good. You're good. It's settled. Go. It's time to go. You know what go mean? Get out. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Some of y'all are in this sunken place. You just got to get out. Go. And then just let him share himself with the world. Amen? Amen. All right, let's get this going. Uh, what was that, First John? Okay, so let's look at uh, Colossians 3, uh, 15. time is almost, man, our time is almost all gone. Hey, man. Colossians 3.15. All right. <laughs> it said, uh, let's read in the King James first. <clears throat> and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you were called in one body, and then it says, and be ye thankful. Uh, now let's look at the New Living Translation, and then we'll look at the Amplified. How many of you guys know what the, it's talking about? The peace of God, that's the same word uh, that's in John 14, 27, the peace of Jesus, this assurance in your mind uh, that you're saved and that you're right and that you don't have to fear punishment. 
and let the peace that comes from Christ, so this peace ain't something you generate. This is the peace he generates. And it's the same peace he said, I'm going to leave with you in John 14. Let that rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in assurance of your salvation, assurance of your righteousness. You're called to live in no fear of punishment from God. And always be thankful for that. Now let's look at the Amplified. And let the peace, somebody say soul harmony. Soul. Yeah, what's my soul? My mind, my will, my emotions. Let soul harmony, which comes from Christ, not your good works, which comes from Christ, and I love this, let that rule, what does that mean? Let it act as umpire. What does the umpire do? Somebody yell out at me. What does the umpire do? Cause the game. What does that mean? Judges. What's in, what's out, what's safe, what's not safe. What's a strike? That, that the umpire caused the game. of our, He said, but what's the umpire in your life? Peace. But what does that word peace mean? Assurance that I'm saved and right with God, therefore fearing no punishment from God. But why in the world would that need to be out of all things? Why would he say, let that be the umpire in my life? Because that's the thing that reminds you you're right with God. That's the thing that reminds you you're sons of God. That's the thing that's going to take you to a place of being active in the power of God in your life. So he's saying, let that be in your heart what decides and settles with finality all questions that arise in your mind. Any doubt that tries to come up that you're not saved. Any doubt that tries to come up and tells you you're not right with God. Any doubt that tells you you're not worthy of his power or his sonship or that there's nowhere in the world you could be an heir of God. Any doubt that comes up, he says, go back to my peace that I gave you. And let that be what says what's true. Let that be what caused the game in your life. Not fear, not the enemy, not your mama, not your daddy, not your current pastor, not your old pastor. No, let literally my peace be the umpire. I get the final say, and I say you're saved. I get the final say, and I say you're safe. I get the final say, and I say fear is out. I get the final say, and I say a punishment is a foul. I get the final say, and I say you win the game because I'm playing all the positions, and I've given you the victory. I get the final say, and he says, I say you're righteous. You're my sons. All is well. Now get up and go out there and tell them the same thing. He said, let peace rule in our, in our minds in your minds, in that peaceful state to which, as members of Christ, one body, you are also called to live. And then be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Why are we praising God in church? Because I'm the righteous. Why am I praising God in church? Because all is well. I'm not trying to praise him to get him to do something. I'm praising him because it's already done. I'm praising because it's already done. I'm praising him because it's already done. I'm already healed. I'm already prosperous. I'm already powerful. I'm, I already have purpose. My marriage is already safe. My kids are already all well. My bills is already paid. That's a part of the righteous package. Prosperity and peace, that's all a part of the package. So I'm, I'm thank you, Lord, that you already took care of all of that. Now, what you want me to go and do? Because I'm good. I'm content. Paul said, whether I bound or I base, I'm content. Why? Because all is well. Man, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, I still got this pink slip on it. it all is well. That pink slip may be the, the, the door you need to get out of what God told you to get out of in the first place and get into what he's been trying to lead you to. But you following your way, you following your vision, you following what you see, and, and you're not being led by the Spirit. So you're struggling to live life. 
We were talking about today in the pastoral class. Uh, God will take you to some interesting places. But it'll always be to your benefit. If something ain't working, it might be because it's dead. And it's time to move on. We try to get too deep sometimes. It's for somebody. We try to get too deep sometimes. He said, I'm a son of God. I'm going to resurrect this situation. No. Go get with God. It might be time to bury that thing. And move on to what God has called you to do. If he wants it raised, he'll raise it. That's what Jesus is talking about. Oh, Lazarus is dead. Let the bed, dead bear the dead. Oh, my gosh. Well, Jesus is so insensitive. No, I, that's going to take care of itself. I got to go and do what he told me to do. I got to go do what he told me to do. So, so guys, if, if, if something, this, I don't know who this is for, but if something, let it, let, it, let it rest. Let it be where it is and then move on. And what God is calling us to do. So are you righteous? Yes. Are you free from sin? Yes. Do you have to work to be saved? No. What do you have to do in order to be saved? Believe, Believe in what who did? Jesus. And, and, that's, and, and that's it. Once I believe and I have that faith, then he takes over and brings me into everything that I don't deserve. Some of y'all ain't used to getting stuff you don't deserve. I understand. I mean, no, I want you to hear what I'm saying because it, it's almost making me emotional up here because I can feel that uh, in my spirit that some of you guys are, you're used to having to work for everything. You like Oprah in the color purple. Ain't nobody ever gave you nothing. <laughs> I had to work for all I had in my life. I had to fight my brother. You know, but, that, but some of y'all, that's, that's been your life. That's been your life. You had to fight for it all. And so it's hard for you to, to, to understand what it means to just be given something you don't deserve. Well, honey, you deserve it. And because, God, because God's, God loves you, he's given you the gift of life, of salvation, of righteousness. And God is proud of you. Did you hear what I just said? He's proud to call you son. He's proud to call you daughter. So welcome to the first day of receiving your adoption. Welcome to the first day of receiving your righteousness. Welcome to the first, you, you've been the righteous, but now you're, now you're receiving it. Welcome to the first day of receiving your power. Now be thankful for it. Give them praise. Never look back. And even if you do, you ain't gonna turn the salt. So there you go. Just, but don't look back. And just keep marching ahead with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you get something out of that? Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. I'm going to get you out of here at 1145. Okay, come on, y'all. Let's do this. All right. So uh, let's pray over what we just heard. Father, we just thank and praise you uh, for your goodness. We thank you for your love. And we receive all that you have. All this week, Father, just... Continue to remind everyone under the sound of my voice of their righteousness in you. I pray supernatural favor just show up in every area of our lives this week. And we will receive it from you, yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and give, guys. Let's just sow into the kingdom. As I always say, you're not sowing to be blessed. You're already blessed. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. You, you give them praise. Be excited to give. And you're already blessed. So now so. So out of that blessing that you already are, that you already have. Tithe, tithe out of the, the of what you already got. Do do what the mature believers in the word did. Hey, but do what the mature believers in the word did. And as a result, just show God I love you. Show God I love you. Show God I trust you is, is a better way of saying that. And, and, and don't try to earn anything with your giving today because you already got it I said you already got it so don't give because when you're trying to earn something with your, with your offering what you're doing is saying Lord I don't believe you that I already got it so give from that cheerful heart that's a heart that knows all as well amen amen do you have something to say about that? yeah go ahead um, well, you, uh, you guys are 
weekend. I was praying this week, and um, Holy Spirit kept bringing up anxiety to me. And, um, and the reason was because I was dealing with anxiety. It's not like something that happens all the time with me, but like when a couple big things come, come up, like projects and stuff, I tend to get very anxious. Um, and I know how to deal with it, pray over it, it's pretty much gone. But this week, or last week, I was dealing with anxiety really bad. And I was telling Archie, I was like, you know, babe, I just, I was dealing with it and not saying anything. And I was like, you know what, I just have to tell you, I'm dealing with anxiety. I just need you to know that. I know how to handle it. I just need you to know that. And so um, as I was laying there praying, um, I was going, I was like, Holy Spirit, I know the word. I know how, I know that I walk. I know that you walk with me every single day. I know I can do this. I know where this anxiety comes from and it's fear. And so I just started to deal with fear. Um, and you know, a peace came over me, but I have, and anybody who deals with anxiety knows the pressure that, can, that you can feel in your chest, in your body, you know, the physical, sometimes it's physical. And so I was telling Holy Spirit, I said, you know what, Holy Spirit, I know what this is. I know the root of, of this anxiety, where it's coming from. I, knew, I know who I am. Um, in you, I know the authority I have over it. Um, I know that I win no matter what. I know this is going to be successful. Everything we put our hands uh, to, everything that we touch, is going to be successful because this is what you've given us. I said, but this physical—it wasn't pain, but like I said, if you deal with this, you know, you know the pressure that I was feeling in my chest. I was like, you have to take this away because I know it doesn't have to stay there. Um, I know I, the authority that I have. I said, but I, the fear is gone. I have peace, but you have to take this, this, this um, um, pressure. pressure away. I'm sorry, this pressure away. And so, you know, I started praying in tongues and immediately it went. And then he was telling me, he was just showing me that he wanted me to pray for anybody that deals with anxiety because when that is dealing with anxiety, let me, let me put it that way, that is dealing with anxiety, that you have to know the root of where that anxiety comes from, and it is fear, and it comes from Satan, and you ha it has no authority in your life. You have to know who you are in Christ to say, you know what, this will no longer stay. I will no longer have to deal with anxiety in my life. I win every single, uh, through everything, or with everything, uh, he gives you wisdom, and you'll be able to walk everything out that you need to walk in. And so I just want to take a moment that if you're dealing with anxiety, if you deal with panic attacks, just know, I mean, you know, the, the scripture that Pastor Archie um, uh, used, Colossians 3.15, uh, would you say it for me? Can y'all put that back up? Because uh, I was sitting there listening to it, and you know, the Holy Spirit just brought it, just the first part to my attention. It says, I can't see it. <laughs> there he says, uh, just the first part, he says, and let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ. And it's your soul being in harmony with Him. And I was like, that's it, God. It's when we know that our soul is in harmony with Him, peace will come. We just have to believe. And that's what I did at that moment. It's just like the, the fear was gone, the anxiety gone, but that pressure was still there. And I was like, wait, this is still not right, Holy Spirit. You have to take this away from me because it cannot stay in my life. And I just want y'all to know these messages, you know, we, Pastor Archie has been preaching for the last couple of weeks. You know, if you have been dealing with anxiety and uh, uh, panic attacks and all of that, just know that peace is supposed to rule your life because you are in Him. Amen? Amen. 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 So, so let's do this. Um, take that offering, raise it up. It's blessed in Jesus' name. All right, so, so that. Uh, <laughs> and usher serve the people. 
And if you're dealing with what Pastor Melissa is talking about, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet right where you're at. Don't, don't wait. Don't debate. You know you've been dealing with panic. You know you've been dealing with fear. You know you've been dealing with exactly what she's saying. And then come on down. And I want you guys who are coming on down, go ahead and make a line right here in the front. The rest of you, I want you to stand to your feet if you're good to go after you've sown. Uh, and I want you just to stretch your hands towards these people. We're going to do a corporate prayer. And then Melissa is going to, you want to pray for them individually? Okay, and then she's going to pray for them individually. So if, come on down for those who are here. And then for the rest of you, I want you just to stretch your hands towards them. Melissa, you can go ahead and head on down and begin to pray for them. I'll turn, turn the mic off as you start. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to do a corporate prayer over everyone else. Yes. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay hands on you guys. And, but I want you to know that you have the authority. I'm not going to pray that authority over you. You have to take the authority and say, you know what, Holy Spirit, just like I said it, you know what, Holy Spirit, this cannot stay in me. This does not line up with your word. I start. I was like, you know what, let me get my scriptures. I got one scripture. I was like, that's it. You know, I, I don't need any other scriptures. I know this cannot stay, so you have to take it. So you have to take your authority. I'm going to lay my hands on you. I'm going to agree with you, but it, you have to do it for yourself. I can't do that. It's got to between. It's got to be between you and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And she's going to begin to do that prayer. We're going to corporately pray as they're praying. Uh, if you want to hang out after this, you can feel free to. If not, this is indeed our altar call. Uh, so if you got to go, we understand that. But let's all pray together. Father, we just lift up these who are being ministered to right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you as uh, Melissa is laying hands on them. Uh, your anointing transfer is just taking place, Father God. And what's rising up on the inside of them is that peace, Lord. And we declare it. We decree it over each and every one of their lives in Jesus' name. Now, I thank you for this entire congregation and what we've heard and received from you on today, Father God. We receive your peace. We receive your righteousness. And we stand in a place of undeserved privilege. And you are the one who can keep us from falling. You are the one who presents us faultless before God Almighty. And we thank you for all that you've done, Jesus. And we believe that and we receive that. If you agree with that, say in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now we're going to continue to keep an attitude of prayer and worship in here. Uh, and we again encourage you just to continue to stay and add your faith. But if you go, need to go, we understand that. You're now dismissed. We love you guys so much. We'll see you all next week. But let's just continue to pray.